1: Good afternoon, Northern California. Welcome to another edition of Lifeline for this Friday, the 10th day of November. Hope you're doing your best to keep high and dry as we head into the weekend. And as we do so, we've got some great stuff for you on today's program. We mentioned about the fact that Steve Arterburn from New Life Live was going to be here for our 24th annual Pastor's Appreciation Luncheon. He, in fact, did to a full house at the Marriott Hotel. Coming up in a moment, you're going to hear highlights of that address before the pastors gathered there. But before we get into Steve's address, I want to remind you that tonight, the entire team from New Life Live will be at Christ Community Church of Milpitas for a very special live taping of New Life Live. So we invite you to come on out. That's at 1000 South Park, Victoria Drive in Milpitas. And you can get all the details on the KFAX website at kfax.com. New Life Live, Steve Otterburn, the team, tonight, 7 p.m., At Christ Community Church of Milpitas. Details again on the KFAX website at kfax.com. You're in for a real treat. You're going to hear a side of Steve Otterburn you don't typically hear in the day-to-day broadcast as he addressed a gathering packed house at the Fremont Marriott Hotel earlier today for the 24th annual KFAX Pastors Appreciation Luncheon. Let's give a listen.
2: Steve is the founder and the president of New Life Live Ministries, which we need to stand up when we say those words. New Life Live Ministries is a ministry over the radio and over television, over 200 channels uh, and, and all over the country, that counsels people on biblical truth. It is the number one counseling service, Christian counseling service in America today. Via radio and television. Now, Steve is a unique guy. hes I think he's kind of like the renaissance man in God's family. Um, he doesn't just do radio and television. Uh, women of faith, you know the name? Women of faith? How many have attended women of faith? Ladies all over? Yeah. Steve created them. That's his brainchild. He created it. Where over five million women have come to those events over the years, and over five hundred thousand have come to know Christ as a result to women of faith. That's Steve. <laughs> Not only that, he has he has bestsellers left and right out in the bookshelves, and I don't even Steve, I don't even know how many. I think it's thirty million books that you have in print today. I. That's more than I have in my library. I mean, I just 30 million books. I mean, that's extraordinary, extraordinary. Not only that, but he is recognized not only within the body of Christ as one of our spokesmen, but the culture comes to Steve and says, Steve, tell us what you Christians think. In fact, Steve has has been featured in New York Times, USA Today, U.S. News and World Report, Uh, CBS News, and on and on, that list goes. But then the world's culture still says, give us more. As a result, Steve has been a guest with Oprah. Steve has been on Inside Edition. Steve has been uh, interviewed by Gentleman's Quarterly, GQ magazine. I mean, the whole culture says he's a spokesman for us in what he believes, and what we believe. And they come to him for those answers. He has been involved in, in, in uh, the creation of a, of a phenomenal Bible resource, Every Man's Bible. If you aren't familiar with Every Man's Struggle that's going on, uh, Steve has been at the forefront of helping guys get through the sexual addictions and the guys in ministry who have come through and gotten free from sexual addiction. Steve has been at the forefront of helping so many of our fraternity, and we are so indebted to you, Steve, to take some time out and be here today and share with us. Would you give a real nice California welcome to okay. Steve Artibert? Thank you. Thank you. And Steve, so much. I didn't even say this. I didn't say this, but this crowd needs to know because they will—they'll check this one off. In your spare time, you're a pastor of a local church. Right. One of the fastest-growing churches in in, uh, Indiana, and uh, this is the teaching pastor. So I want you to know, he knows our side of the pulpit. Okay, Steve, take it.
3: Thank you. Thank you, Ron. Appreciate that so much. Well, it is a a great honor to be here, and for a lot of different reasons, but um, almost 30 years ago, there was a group here in Northern California known as Menlo Ventures. And uh, they wrote a check for a couple of million dollars to me to start an organization that would help people who are struggling with problems from a biblical perspective, provide Christian counseling. And so our roots are here in, in Northern California, and I have loved all of my experiences with KFAX. And, you know, Craig Roberts is such a, he's a fellow fighter Uh, For life, And we have had the great privilege of speaking together uh, for Sanctity of Life in many different times. And our audience uh, is jam-packed with KFAX listeners, and I love getting to be here. And, of course, getting to be on... uh, KFAX is part of the Salem Broadcast Network. And one of the things that I have come to understand about Christian radio is that there are so many people who would never mention the word Jesus. They would never ask anybody in the workplace uh, about their faith or, or anything. But in the privacy of their car, when nobody is around, they will turn on Christian radio, and they will hear somebody say something that changes their life forever. And, and that doesn't happen on television. It doesn't happen in any other place, I believe, than that intimate one-on-one experience in a car on the way home or on the way to work or, or doing errands. And we are just so honored to get to be on Salem Stations. And uh, Ron is such an amazing man. He, I mean, he could have been an apostle 2,000 years ago because he <laughs> he writes letters. He writes these most <laughs> profound letters that are a blessing to so many people. And, you know, he was just born at the wrong time or we'd be opening up first chapter book of Ron and it'd be great. Anyway. um, I do, I'm a teaching pastor at a really great church because we have a great senior pastor. We baptized 2,000 people last year. And um, it is really unique. I, I don't just teach, but sometimes I'll have sessions with folks. And we have unique people like you do. Like I asked one guy, I said, hey, how'd, how did you hear about uh, Northview? He said, oh, my mistress told me that I should start going. Well, okay. <laughs> well, <that's... laughs> Take them any way we can get them. You know, just uh, come on. So, but that is true. That is true. Ron mentioned, uh, Baptist. I am a, uh, I was raised, uh, Southern Baptist. I, I love to tell the story about when, uh, my parents were so strict when, uh, beer came out, uh, it was in cans and then Coke started coming out in cans. They, my parents wouldn't let my brothers and I drink Coke out of a can because they were afraid somebody would think that we were drinking beer. Well, we were drinking beer anyway, so <laughs> it didn't, didn't really matter, uh, but it made them feel better. But I, I like to say I'm a recovering Southern Baptist because, because uh, I have, uh, I've learned to dance in my adult years. Not very well because I kind of missed it in the development stage. But, but when I was a senior in high school in Bryan, Texas, I was in charge of the assembly committee. And I, it was my job to greet speakers who would come and speak to the students. And back then, you could actually have someone come and talk about Jesus. And the last assembly we did before Easter, there was this giant of a man named Johnny Bassano. He was a pastor down in Houston, and he was to come and deliver the message. I went out to greet him, and he stepped up from the curb, (laughs) just giant of a man, and he looked at me, and he shook my hand, and he said, son, you're going to be a preacher. God has told me in my spirit that you will be a preacher one day, and I said to him, well, thank you. Uh, I'm actually uh, the student director of the choir, so I'm in front of people. I sing, and... And, all, uh, and he said, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> he's a big guy. I said, okay. Uh, <laughs> but he said, you're going to be a preacher. And I really feel like that was God telling me uh, what I would eventually do. But along the way, on that journey to becoming a preacher and someone with a prophetic ministry of truth, I lost my way. And I... Um, I was profoundly broken and, and full of shame due to promiscuity and uh, paying for an abortion and, and just uh, things that totally side my calling. I have a, such an appreciation for Christian radio because I was driving down the road at the point of being as lost as you could be. And still say that you were a Christian. And hearing Chuck Swindoll say this. Your past just ended one second ago. So why would you live in it? And that began a healing process for me. That resulted in me studying counseling. And starting new life. And we have had the great blessing. This will be our 30th anniversary next year. And I am so grateful to be able to do it. So when I'm speaking to preachers who you've dedicated your whole life, this is what you do. I I often feel like an arsonist speaking to a group of firefighters. I'm, I'm the least qualified to do it. But I'll tell you, I know what you're up against. And I know this, that some of you have uh, graduate degrees that you've gone off and, and you've honed your skills even to that degree. And I know that, like with a graduate degree, the average salary of a pastor is $50,000 and people with other graduate degrees, it's one hundred and eighty to $200,000. And without a graduate degree, the average is much lower. And yet, you don't do it because it's a job, you do it because it is A calling. And you, you would be miserable if you didn't live up to that calling. And how many people do you know bail out of that calling? And life does not get better. I don't know of any group that answers this calling and works so hard. You're really never off. I know that. You're on duty all the time. And your spouse knows that and she's having to work with, or he, work with resentment all the time of everybody wanting a piece of you. It is not easy what you do. And, and I really believe, and this is what I want to talk to you about, that if you're trying to do it under your own power, you are going to be one miserable person in ministry. Now... According to John 10, 10, it says that if you follow the teachings of Jesus, you're truly his disciple, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It doesn't just say you can memorize a verse, and and that's going to set you free. You have to live it. You have to become an apostle, a, a disciple, a follower of Jesus, and it's so sad to me because while... The truth will set people free. The world is not free. And the church oftentimes is not free either. But all of the problems of this world we have the answer for. And when we live in our freedom and we live up to our calling, the world comes and hears the truth and allows us to help them find that path and that process to freedom. On Wednesday, some of my uh, buddies, uh, Henry Cloud uh, is on radio, and an old buddy of mine, Jim Burns is a guy I used to write books with, Uh, some friends and colleagues, Dr. James Dobson and other folks, we were at this briefing in Washington, D.C. with Health and Human Services that has established a faith-based office inviting people to come and and ask for money to fund groups that will help people, especially in the area of severe mental illness, to integrate back into the community, veterans, former prisoners, and then um, those that are suffering from this opioid epidemic. They told us that there are 44 million people in America struggling with either a drug or a mental illness problem. You all know the divorce rate is horrific, horrific in the secular world and in the Christian world. And even more than that are the miserably married people that would do anything to get out of that marriage but they won't. And I think it is so tragic that what we have solves all of that. I mean Jesus is the answer. The problem is The problem is is that we we get lost or we get hung up, or we get stuck on the way to the answer, which is Jesus. And so what New Life has been trying to do is help people find that path and that process back to our Savior. And it's so, it's so humbling to speak to so many people who are trying to do that exact same thing. Um, we just took 200 people to, to Greece and to Turkey, to Ephesus. We just got back last week. Uh, we we still aren't fully recovered. 200 people is too many people to take. The bathroom lines are too long. Don't do it. Okay. <laughs> but we, we understood and we understand now what Paul was up against in a way that we never dreamed. Everywhere he went, the whole culture was organized against him. Kind of like today. And everywhere... He went. People believed he was either stupid or crazy or confused. Kind of like people think that of us in this culture today. But he confronted them and their false gods with courage like I've never seen. But there was one thing that he did. He understood that he could not do it with self-will and human strength. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we must never lose sight of the challenge that even though we can do great things, even though we can conquer some big mountains, if we are not filled with the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit and we are not living out our calling under the power of that Spirit, we will fail And we will be miserable, and we will pass that on to others. I was talking to uh, Leighton Shelley here with the Church of the Highlands, and his father in 58 worked with Billy Graham. The first time I ever heard Billy Graham speak was in uh, South Carolina. And when I heard him speak, there there was nothing really spectacular about his message. Other than the fact that the Holy Spirit was with him and his truth. And I watched thousands of people come to Christ that night. So many times we are so caught up in what we think we have to do and need to do versus just asking the Holy Spirit to come in and do for us what we cannot do. So the question is always, are we going to function under self-will or under the power of the Holy Spirit? You know, that we all know the, the fruits of the Spirit, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. We also know the fruits of self-will, control, strife, bitterness, arrogance, confusion, impulsivity, disappointment. We know that some people think they're spiritual gifts or manipulation, uh, shaming, <laughs> discouragement. And Ron comes along and says and hammers it into our head, Do not be afraid. And you know what we do out of fear? We, if we are fear-based people, our fear usually is of other people. And so we do things out of fear to neutralize the people that we're afraid of. Some men, of course, they've never resolved these, these issues with, with their mother. And so rather than treat a woman as a real-life person, an equal person worthy of God's love, they objectify her and they neutralize her power. But the same thing can happen from a woman who's never fully worked out whatever problem it was that she had with her father. And in fear, she may not objectify him, but she might, she might well, emasculate or put him in a category or a role or she might dominate. It's all out of fear. If we are in relationships that are fear-based, not love-based, people, they will know that. They will experience that, and they won't trust us, and God will not honor it. When we have fear, we must be in control. We must protect ourselves, and, and the fruit of all of that is going to shine way, way too brightly in our ministries. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 2 4. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. I don't want to be persuasive and I don't want to be impressive if I don't have the Holy Spirit's power behind every word that comes out of my mouth. So here's the question. What's fueling whatever it is that you do? If it's your self-will, then you think it's all up to you. But if it's the Holy Spirit, you're going to be willing to ask God for help and humble yourself to ask others for help. If you are functioning under self-will, you are going to arrogantly assume that God thinks you're just doing a great job and any idea you have is just fabulous. But if you're functioning under the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to be looking for God's direction in everything. Under your power, everything has to add up. But under the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to risk even when it doesn't make sense. You're going to do it. And when it's under your power, you're going to feel entitled and you're going to demand others to meet your needs. But when you're under the power of the Holy Spirit, what you want to do is care for others, minister to others, and love others. You won't love attention nearly as much as you love serving other people. You know, I I love the simplicity of Scripture When it all comes down to it, it says, if I have not love, everything I do is worthless." Because, see, the Bible doesn't say that God is peace. The Bible doesn't say God is serenity. It says God is love. And so if we're serving God and we are not showing love, we are wasting every opportunity to minister. When we were in Greece, I, I had my two children with me. I have a little girl who's eight named Amelia, the man that works with me and runs New Life, Larry. He says, Steve, you, you ran out of patience with your daughter having a, a grandchild, so you just had your own grandchild. So, uh, and I have a little T-shirt that says, no, I'm not the grandfather. But having a child late in life, uh, is wonderful because uh, we go to Holiday Inn. I get the senior discount. The kids eat free. It, it's almost like they're paying. It's wonderful. But um, I have Amelia. Uh, she's eight. And then Solomon, our first Jewish child, is uh, 11. And we were in Greece, and it was grueling and exhausting. And we were in a hotel one night. And I heard the words that terrorize parents so frequently. Dad, would you tell me a story? (laughs) And I, I, I just felt like I had to do it. And so we had been talking about love. And I said, well, there was a man who didn't feel very close to Jesus. And so he said, to be closer to Jesus, I want to suffer. So he went down and bought a pair of shoes that were two sizes too small. And he thought that if he would walk in misery, blisters, and pain, after one year he would feel closer to Jesus. And after a year, he just felt a lot of pain in his feet. <laughs> so he decided that he needed more misery, and he went, and he, he went to a place and found a wild boar skin and made a shirt of it so the bristles would be against his flesh and he wore that shirt for one year and after a year he had some kind of strange swine rash that (laughs) was hard to get rid of but he wasn't closer to Jesus I said so finally he thought well the only other thing are my pants so he went and found an alligator skin and made some pants out of it and thought that if that's what he wore around with those shoes and that shirt, that after that kind of misery, for a year he would be closer to Jesus. After a year, he was walking down the road, and a man in a white robe saw him and said, what what are you doing? He said, well, I just have been trying to get closer to Jesus. Jesus. He said, well, I am one who could tell you how to do that. Get rid of the ridiculous clothes you're wearing. (laughs) And for the next year, love people that are uncomfortable to love. Love people that don't deserve to be loved. Love people that don't look like you. Love people that make you feel Miserable and loved them anyway. And so he did it for a year. And he was walking down that same road and that same man in that white robe showed up and said, How you doing? He said, I've never felt closer to Jesus. And just before that man in the white robe disappeared, he said, And you have never been closer to him. So that was my little bedtime story. And... And um, I, I told them, uh, kids, in the world of bedtime stories, that one should go in the Hall of Fame. I'm just telling you. I just, I, I don't ever expect anything like that again. <laughs> but, but that love must show up in our homes and in our relationships and in our marriage. Somebody said uh, a marriage license is more like a work permit than anything else. And um, in many marriages, the most common form of communication is hearing what from the other room. That's, that's how it goes. I heard a story of a couple. They weren't Southern Baptists. They were having a glass of wine together. And she, she said, I love you. And he says, well, honey, is that you talking or is that, is that the wine talking? And she said, no, that's me talking to the wine. <laughs> so that's not what we're going for here. <laughs> i said some really stupid things, and one one day I said to my wife, I said, honey, in, in your wildest dreams, did you ever think you'd be married to somebody like me? And she said, you know, come to think of it, you've never really been in my wildest dreams. <laughs> I'm working on it, though. Hopefully. But in, in your bag, there's a, a book that I... I gave you, and it's called the Mediterranean Love Plan. And there are seven... You don't have to look at it now, but let me just tell you what the first chapter is about. Well, I'll tell you what the seventh chapter is about, too. The seventh chapter is from the Jewish culture. There are seven cultures in the Mediterranean that I talk about. My wife and I wrote it together. The seventh one is about mixing the sacred and the sexual, and it talks about the research and the reasons that Jewish women are the most sexually fulfilled women in the world. Very shocking and surprising, but there's a reason... But in the first chapter, the first secret is this word attunement. We, we cannot love each other if we are not in tune with what each other are going through. And so often leaders want everybody to be attuned to them, but don't humble themselves and make room to find out what is going on in the mind and the heart of the other person. And i got to tell you, This was the hardest thing in the world for me to do. My wife was born with a severe birth defect. She does not have a clock inside of her head. She will guess at what time it is, and she'll be off by three hours. And I have a similar birth defect. I was not born with a compass inside of my head so I I get lost wherever we go and and if you use directions other than right left or turn around I'm not good at that and so we'll go somewhere and I'm downstairs pacing she's she, she just up there getting dressed and, and I'm thinking we've got to get out of here and she's up there thinking no need to rush we're going to get lost anyway (laughs) so so I just felt like I needed to talk to her about this and so I you know rather than me humble myself I thought I could probably find the right words to say I rated just for the right time and and um, I just wanted to talk to her about it, and uh, so finally I, I felt it was the right time, and uh, obviously I was not attuned to where she was, and so I said, "Honey, I just there's just something I I've, I've been praying about this because I wanted to take that spiritual high <laughs> place, praying about this, and uh, there's just something." I said, "I want you, there's something I'd like you to work on, but I, I tell you." You name anything you want me to work on, I will work on it. But there's just this one little thing I want you to work on. And she said, okay, there's something I'd like you to work on. I said, sure, yeah, you tell me, and then, and then I'll, I'll tell you. She says, I'd like you to work on not wanting me to work on anything. <laughs> I said, okay. I, I said, I think I'll work on that right now. But, you know, you you can just feel so close to somebody and then you eat the wedding cake and everything changes. I just, I encourage people, don't eat that cake. Right, Right after we got married, I discovered we had just a slight difference in communication style. If I was a superhero, I would be known as bullet point man. I want to know the headline the bottom line, what's on the line, just give me the little bullet points there. I don't need to know anything else. She's a little bit different than that. She would be known as Wonder Word Woman. She starts any description with a prelude, kind of a a crescendo, building up to a climactic moment where all is revealed and then there's a diminishing dement whatever it's called and then there's a pre postlude and and then a final final note to remember and it's a, it's like a masterpiece every time and i just i have a t- I have a terminal case of t- attention deficit disorder and and i said to my th- therapist i go see a counselor every week some have said, go twice, but I said, I, I am having a hard time sticking with her here. And he said, Well, let me just give you a little trick. He said, People have different sized pores on their face. So look into her eyes and notice that she's got these different sized pores. And focus on that while she's revealing all of it. So the next time she starts in, I want to be attuned. And so I'm just looking. Okay. And I am there 100%. And she says to me, "You are so focused on this." And I said, "You have no idea." And, so I know it's not easy, but I know this. Every person here is in a relationship that requires sacrificial love. And if you can't do it at home, it's going to hurt the ministry everywhere else. But if people see that genuine love, they'll sense it too. And they'll know that God is at work. Psalm fifty-one, twelve says, Restore to me... The joy of my salvation and make me willing to obey you I'll just close with with this short little point here as people in ministry we are usually very aware of where we fail many of us are very hard on ourselves and we work in a culture of criticism where people judge what we do they feel like their gift to the church is to judge us <laughs> and how we're doing, and it's hard for us not to pray that they would have some type of illness that would t- <laughs> take them out. But <laughs> see, you know, I mean, you you but I'm going to tell you a lot of people are aware of a lot of things and a lot of people want their lives to be different but the last part of that verse says Lord make me willing it's willingness that separates those who transform their lives into what God called them to be and those that get stuck at some place and I pray that God will make you willing. I've told this before, but when you go to Outback Steakhouse, they serve these deep-fried onion blossoms that kill people every single day. And and it, it's a horrible PR thing for them. They have defibrillators around the room. People eat these things at Outback. And, and then... People will just fall out in the aisle there and they'll you know, the waiters are trained, they'll get the defibrillator and zap them back and and of course they can't save everybody. And rather than take them out front, they take them out back. That's why it's called out back take So If you're going to walk out of that place, you have to be willing to say no to some things that other people think are okay. And we are called. We have a higher calling. And there are a lot of folks that think a lot of things are okay to live with. It's my cross to bear. It's my burden. It's my thorn in my flesh. And I'm going to tell you, that's a lie. If you're willing... You can get some help for you, your marriage, your kids, and God can transform your life. But it takes humble willingness. I hope I don't have to tell you how much fun it's been to talk to you today. God bless you. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Thank you. And there again, Steve Otterburn from New Life Live. Don't forget Steve and the team tonight at 7 p.m., You're invited to this free event, a special KFAX listeners appreciation event taking place at Christ Community Church of Milpitas. That's at 1000 South Park, Victoria Drive in Milpitas. And you can get complete details on the web at kfax.com. The event begins tonight at 7 p.m. So we invite you to come on down and see us. We'll take a brief time out, get you updated on traffic, then back with more on this edition of Lifeline